Hello, welcome to How to Write a Novel, brought to you by Caffeine. Let's hope this lasts, because I'm fucking exhausted today, but I got a great big monster energy... Bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> Some guy is singing in the background. He's fucking up my recording. Now that the mosquitoes are finally dead, this, uh... You know, I was always saying in the winter how there was nobody in this park in my hometown. And then in the summer, there was nobody here because of the mosquitoes. If I'm still here next summer, I might legitimately get one of those like bug net things that like the big hat with the bug thing so I could sit in the woods and do stuff and not die. But yeah, the uh, mosquitoes unbelievably tenacious. Like it's fall now, the leaves are changing colors and shit. And it would take a little while. I'd have to sit in the same spot for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And then the mosquitoes would find me and there'd be three and then there'd be four. And it's like, how are you still alive? Everything is dying around you. Fucking die, mosquitoes. Just die. <laughs> anyway, they're finally really dead. So yeah, it's a little busy in this park now. The fall is the, basically the one and only time that this is the optimal place to be. So anyway, I want to talk about, I was thinking about two kind of opposite yet complementary ideas. First, I just want to talk a bit about the TV show Ted Lasso. So this came up on my Buffy podcast, the Does Buffy Suck podcast. But it came up on that podcast that the dude that plays Giles in Buffy, he's on this show Ted Lasso that's like an Apple TV show. It's like Jason Sudeikis plays a football coach who moves to England to coach soccer. And it's based on these old uh, commercials that were like, aha, it's funny, he doesn't understand soccer. Oh, he's fired. And they managed to make it into like a surprisingly decent show. <laughs> like, I don't know, all my friends were watching it and saying how good it was. But I was kind of hesitating because I just, I'm always that guy who's just the annoying guy. Like, I just have very narrow tastes. I bail out on stuff quick, well, the, whatever the big cool thing is, I'm just like, eh, you know, whatever, it's not that good. I think you guys need to calm down a little bit. And rather than be that wet blanket, it's easier sometimes just to not watch shit at all. <laughs> just like, whatever, I'll just let this phenomenon pass me by and everyone will be happier. But when I heard Giles was in this show, it's like, alright, fuck. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is deep in my heart and soul, so I have to check this out. And it's like, it's a good show, I liked it quite a bit. It's kind of weird because the whole premise of the show is just that Ted Lasso, the American coach, he's just a really good guy. Just a good, positive guy surrounded by sarcastic British people. <laughs> and I was a little worried at first because they push it so hard in the first episode with the fucking Coldplay sounding kind of like hopeful yet melancholy music and he's just such a good guy and it's like oh man i hope this isn't some kind of like jesus metaphor thing <laughs> like i hope this isn't like he walks into town and he just heals the spiritual and emotional wounds of all those around him but it's not it's basically he's just a nice guy and it's like it's it's just a cool show because it's like yeah you know what british people maybe you should be a little less sarcastic all the time maybe that wouldn't kill you I liked it, and in particular, this is a spoiler, but I wanted to talk about this on the Buffy show, but I didn't want to spoil Ted Lasso for people. But since we're over here on the writing podcast and we're talking about writing, I'm going to spoil that show. So if you're interested, go ahead and watch it. And if you don't care, just keep on listening. 
What I liked the most about that show is that it is so low stakes. You know, it's got the general sports show thing of like, here's the sports team. Whoa, shit, fell off a log. That brings me back. <laughs> Remember I fell off a log in Vancouver, fell on some rocks and I really downplayed on the show how much I'd hurt myself, but it was actually worse than, uh, <laughs> than I let on. I still got a scar too on one of my shins. Sort of like episode 50 some, 52 or something. I noticed the other day I still got that scar. The Fallen Office Stuff Out in the Woods podcast. So yeah, the show, it's got this basic sports team thing of like, ah, oh, it's the underdog sports team, things are going bad. They get this dumbass coach, sure hope they win, but it's not like a, you know, it's like whatever, it's sports stakes. <laughs> you know, they don't really matter, it's like who gives a shit. But amongst the emotional stakes between characters, the reason that this Ted Lasso guy, who is completely unqualified to coach European football, the reason he got hired is because the guy who owns the fucking team was Giles from Buffy. He cheated on his wife a bunch, they got divorced, she got the team in the settlement, and now she wants to ruin the team. Just because it'll hurt her husband. So she hired the worst coach, and she's doing things behind the scenes to try to fuck with him and undermine him. But basically through the power of his niceness, she sees the error of her ways and she starts to feel bad about all the fuckery she's been doing. So this is kind of the big conflict of the show coming to a head. And this is where it could be just like a big, dramatic, ponderous, overblown, big pile of bullshit. But what I love about this show, it's so rare for something like this to happen is she, you know, it's still tough for her to admit that she was actively kind of opposing her own, her own hire, her own manager, but she admits it to him. She's like, I'm sorry, I've been fucking with you behind the scenes. I did this, this, and this. The only reason I even hired you at all is because I thought you sucked and I wanted you to ruin the team. And I know that's maybe embarrassing and hurtful and I'm sorry. It was wrong and I wish I didn't do it. And instead of it being some big dramatic whatever the fuck, he just goes, it's all right, man. We've all had tough times lately, you know? <laughs> it's all right, I forgive you. <laughs> and I was like, that is so fucking awesome. That is so awesome. I love that they just took the big thing, the whole big premise the show was based around, and they just said, yeah, man, fuck it. Shit happens in life, man. Doesn't have to be a big deal. We can still be friends. Hey, you apologized. What else do I need? I don't need to run you through the ringer. I don't need to make this a big thing. We can just move on from here. Congratulations for seeing the errors of your ways. And I accept your apology. And I was like, man, that is so great. Like you hardly ever see that stuff, particularly in North American productions, which this it takes place in England, but essentially it's North American. It's, you know, Apple Warner Brothers. It reminds me of that uh, Yashike stuff I've been talking about lately in Japanese storytelling where they are just there mostly to show you a pleasant view of life, to kind of give you a calm, good time, and how much I like that and how hard that is to find in North America. So yeah, I thought that was great. It's like, what a nice, what a cool show. Like, the fact that it's lower stakes, the fact that it has less drama makes me like it more. Like a lot more. <laughs> and I just think that's so cool. Because I, I know I've brought this up before, but that is just... If you have to like make your little top five fucking 
writing advice that just everyone gives you. Just advice that every fucking person just, here's just my fucking advice. Like I'm a fucking writing advice robot. One of them is always conflict. Make sure you've always got conflict in your story. Make sure you've got conflict in every scene. If you could enter a scene later, do. If you could leave a scene sooner, do. If something isn't pushing the plot forward, then it has to go. Push, push, push. Conflict, conflict, conflict. I even found a book from the 80s called Conflict, 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 which was about writing like hard-boiled detective dramas and shit. And it's like, yeah, okay, sure. If you're writing shit, then sure. If you're writing fucking garbage, then sure. That's what you want to do. You want conflict, conflict, conflict. If you're just writing some fucking disposable goddamn garbage, then yes, do that. But I hate that advice so much and it's so prevalent and it's just such not what I like. It's in fact what I hate. I fucking hate it. I hate when people just cram unnecessary drama into shit. It just makes me feel like they're bad writers and I don't know why I'm paying attention to them. I don't know what view of life they think they have. I don't know what fucking message they think they're putting into a bottle to send into the eternities. Because I don't think they are. I don't think that's why they're writing. I think they're writing just to try to fucking... It's like they're writing like they're trying to make a book, the book equivalent of a cup of coffee. Like they just want you to get all charged up and like, oh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the drama. I'm feeling the tension. I'm feeling the conflict. Well, I don't like that shit. I fucking hate that shit. <laughs> this is going to be a weird episode. See, I'm fucking exhausted. I did not sleep enough. I'm running purely on caffeine. This is an inappropriate fucking mental state to be in to be talking about this subject. But is it though? Because this is what I was thinking. This is the other side of that. As I was thinking, why is it that I like calming stories? Why is it that I like low key stuff? Why is it that I like subtle emotional beats and subtle relationships between characters and subtle plot developments and subtle shifts in stories? And I think it is because if, if the average person needs things to be really spelled out and really over the top, if they're emotionally deadened in that way, which hey, it's all relative, but that is how it seems to me, I am the reverse where I feel like I, I'm like the little match head and it's like, if you flick me too much, I'm gonna ignite eventually, it's gonna happen. It's like, I'm the guy who does like, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't push me. <laughs> like, I need everything to be calmer and quieter or I'll get really, really unhappy. And what made me think of that is that I've got a sore hand right now because I punched this shit out of my phone and broke it this morning. So I had this cheap ass phone from 7-Eleven. I've been using it for the Instagram page for this podcast, Novel Pod on Instagram. And yeah, it's just this cheap 7-Eleven phone. And the nice thing about 7-Eleven burners and stuff is you can replace them by just going to 7-Eleven. Like I remember I dropped one of those phones once on the way home from my friend Ryan's house at like 2.30 in the morning. And I just went into a 7-Eleven, bought a new phone and a chocolate bar, swapped out the SIM and there you go, it was great. But because of COVID, 
I've been trapped for some time. I think this phone, it started going bad on me, like back when I was in Japan. And then I dropped it a while ago and the screen started to crack. And the screen crack has just been getting worse and worse and worse till at this point it's like I have to memorize where I could touch on screen where it would actually work. And the whole upper part of the screen was just a disaster. And every day I was fighting with it of just like, uh, okay, come on, I'm trying to press the thing and it keeps pressing the thing underneath it or the thing to the left or the right. And it's like, ah, oh, this is driving me nuts. And for months it's been like this. For like three months it's been like this. Every day just fighting with this phone. And then this morning I'd been up all night. I was a little exhausted and I finally just fucking flipped out on it. And I just started punching the shit out of that phone and just smashed the fuck out of it. Just destroyed the screen. And then I snapped it in half, which I probably shouldn't have done because there was <laughs> a couple of things on the internal storage that I never got back. But whatever, man. Fuck it. Fuck it. And it's embarrassing in the moment, you know, to lose your temper. My cousin had just woken up because he was getting ready to go to work and I had to go out and just like, kind of like, Hey, my, my knuckles are kind of bleeding because I just punched the shit out of my phone. Oh, embarrassing. But it's only embarrassing because it's socially unacceptable to lose your temper. In reality, fuck that phone. Three fucking months that fucking phone has been fucking with me. I hate that phone. <laughs> so instead I dug up an old phone. For some reason I have this other old phone that doesn't have a SIM card slot at all. So I can't use it as a phone, but whatever. I hardly ever text anyone anyway. I always just use Facebook and shit to talk to people. Did a little factory reset on it. I managed to get Instagram back up on it. I can still do everything I could do with the other phone. I can do now with this phone. And it works. The screen isn't all fucked up. And I wonder like how long would I have kept holding on with that other phone if I didn't just fucking break it. And that made me think of, uh, I had this netbook for a while. I had this idea, this was like five or six years ago, that just to keep myself from being distracted and keep myself from playing video games and stuff, since I really just do writing and audio editing mainly, I decided to get a little 2000, whatever that was, 2014 era netbook. And I was like, this will be good enough. It won't play games and I can just do work on it. But I underestimated how shitty those are. They're basically a 2014 era phone in a laptop shape. So it was so shitty that I couldn't even really do audio editing well with it. If the thing got overtaxed in the slightest, it couldn't even do audio editing. And it would make these little snappy clicky noises. And I couldn't tell if that was in the recording or if it was just the computer doing it. And it was making me nuts. But again, even though this was like a $200 bullshit computer, I just held on for like a year and a half with that thing until I finally snapped it over my knee. I just snapped it in half. And then I felt all like ashamed, like, oh no, I lost my temper. I remember I took a picture of the snapped in half computer. It's like some kind of stupid memento. Like every time I would flip through the pictures on my phone, it'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that. As like some kind of like, don't do that. Don't lose your temper. That's a bad thing. But now that I look back, that was not a bad thing. Sticking with the fucking netbook would have been a bad thing. I should have broke it way sooner. This stupid phone with its bullshit screen, I should have broke it way sooner. I mean, a lot of this is just my 
it's just my temperament. It's just how it is. I've been kind of like doing experiments with playing video games lately. I'm kind of keeping a little chronicle <laughs> of like when I get mad at a video game, I'm like observing it. I'm observing what happens when stress hormones flood my body. And it's interesting because like they enter me very easily and they leave so slowly. It takes for fucking ever. And it's like, yeah, you know, this makes sense. I mean, my mom's got a bad temper. My dad's got a bad temper. My brother's a whirling dervish of fucking horror. Aunts, uncles, I come from two different families that have bad tempers. All things considered, I'm doing okay. But my baseline is, just from a purely fucking chemical standpoint, this shit enters my fucking bloodstream easily and it leaves very slowly. But I think back over my life at the times that I lost my temper and I was all embarrassed. And it was bad in the moment, but it was always better afterward. Like I remember in like seventh grade, that was like my worst year for just like people bullying me and shit. And I just, again, it's like, <laughs> it's strange to compare it to just my bad computers and phones. But the same way I tolerated the phone and the same way I tolerated the netbook, I just tolerated these kids fucking poking me. And like specifically, I remember there was this kid, Leo, who in like one of the changing rooms. So I was like sitting on this wooden bench and he was small. He was much smaller than me. He was standing on the back of the bench, just kicking me between the shoulder blades. And again, not even really that hard. Just like, hey, do something. You know, they were just, it was like an experiment for them. Just, just keep poking this kid till he finally does something. And that was the day I finally did. And it was ridiculous. Like, I got all mad. I lost my temper. And I literally jump kicked that kid. I don't know how I managed to do it. It was amazing. I jump kicked him in the mouth. <laughs> and his mouth was bleeding. And there was this story all around the school. It was all embarrassing. But it got all of us over that hump. You know, it just ended that situation. And by the end of that school year, not even that long after that, I was trading Sega Genesis games with that Leo kid. It's like, yeah, all right, Leo, you're still not my favorite. I don't love you. But hey, if you'll trade me fucking Altered Beast for Tommy Lasorda Baseball, no problem. I don't want Tommy Lasorda Baseball. And again, like losing my temper got me out of that situation. And I think about that like a lot of times, just like relationships, jobs, friendships. It's the same pattern every time where I'm just like putting up with something that's clearly wrong for way too long. Then I freak the fuck out and then I feel bad that I lost my temper, but then things are always better. You know, I can't think of a time when it was worse. Now, of course, if I had killed someone in a blind rage, <laughs> you know, whoops, whoops, too much, that would have been worse, but that never happened. It's just being a social pariah for a day or two, if even, if even anyone even actually cares. And then the situation changes, the situation moves on. You know, the fucking, the forest fire that clears out the deadwood and something new can grow. So that's something I realized vis-a-vis -vis storytelling regarding writing fiction is I think that's a reason why I like these low-key Japanese shows. That's the reason why I like Ted Lasso. I don't want a show that's all agitating and everyone's angry at each other and everything's a big fucking clusterfuck. 
because that's already how I feel all the time, <laughs> you know? I'm already dealing with a physical body that is easily annoyed and very hard to flush out those feelings. I'm already dealing with a fucking history, a pattern of when I get pushed down, when I get fucking overwhelmed by something. <laughs> like I said to Ryan once, like, yeah, I'm not the, I'm not the kid who would kill himself in school. I'm the school shooter. <laughs> She's like, you sure are. <laughs> but it's true. Like, I don't, I don't react to stress by closing down and shutting down. I react by freaking the fuck out. And it's, it's weird to say that it's better. I mean, it's like that's become my philosophy. That's become my life philosophy. But not really because I chose it, just because that's how I am. That's how it's been. And I think that's kind of neat too, of just like, it's neat to be this aware. Like that's the nice thing about, I don't know, I think it's probably harder for some people to pinpoint their feelings and pinpoint their personalities. But when you're a rage machine, <laughs> it's not hard at all. It's very easy, very easy. I don't know, I'm always surprised when like people say like, oh yeah, I've never been in a fight. Like me and my brother, because we're both this way, like have smashed each other's heads through windows, have smashed giant vases over each other's heads. <laughs> like we've been in knockdown, drag out, fucking insane brawls. You know, getting punched right in the face, it's not as bad as you think it is. So the good thing, I guess, about being like just so when it's just so clear, when your kind of physiology is sort of uh, one-dimensional <laughs> like this, is I can't pretend that my big philosophy about life and behavior and how I think things should be, I can't pretend that I, it's really something I came up with. I can't pretend it's like my philosophy that I just developed out of whole cloth. It's only my philosophy because of the type of creature that I am, the type of entity that I am. That's why I believe these things. That's why I have the worldview that I have. That's why I think exploding is the right thing to do. Because you won't get trapped and you won't get stuck. You're in a bad situation, fucking blow it up and something better will come out of it. And maybe now you're seeing where I'm going with all this, <laughs> is this book that I'm writing, this book called Explode, about an angry rhino alien who shows up on an alien space station, her planet got blown up, she's in a bad fucking place. And I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but the, basically the final nail in the coffin is she finds out that this alien installation that she's on the reason it's even there, the reason it's even in the vicinity of her backwoods homeworld is because the aliens on this research station, they knew the explosion was coming. They knew her homeworld was doomed. But they also knew that her people are hard-headed assholes and we're not going to listen to them. And they really made no attempts to, to step in or to intervene or to try to stop this from happening. They were only there to watch. So, you know, she's like... She really doesn't like them to begin with. She's on a hair trigger anyway. And then she finds out that they were only there to watch her fucking planet blow up. And she's like, whoops, whoops. Guess what's going to happen to you now? <laughs> Guess what's going to happen now? 
And it was one of those things that even earlier in this podcast, I remember saying like, I'm not totally sure why I'm writing a story about a character that just blows up a giant space station. It just feels right. It just feels like the story I want to tell. And as I've been kind of unraveling stuff more and more in the story and just in my own life and my own weird personality and the weird cycles of my life, like just stupid little things like breaking a, a netbook and breaking a fucking phone, certainly a far cry from blowing up a whole space station. But she doesn't blow up the space station with anyone on it. She doesn't kill anybody. It's just property damage. Ultimately, it's harmless, you know? Ultimately, it's just, it's just the, the forest fire raging through the undergrowth to get rid of the deadwood to make something new happen for herself and for these people. Like, that's what I've realized. It's like I've talked before about how, oh, this character's kind of like, let's get into the mindset of a terrorist and what makes somebody be a bad person and do bad things. But what I've realized is that really deep down, I still think she's the hero. I still think she's the good guy. I still think she's the one doing the right thing. These people are just trapped in this dumb little science facility and they're born there and they work there till they retire and they finally get to leave and it's just the space equivalent of some shit office job or some boring life where you're under someone else's thumb and they're not willing to explode. They're not willing to blow up this situation. And I just, I know so many people like that. I see so many people like that. And again, the same way that I feel like my physiology is the reason why I'm like this, their physiology is why they're like that. You know, the only way the human race got as far as we got is because people are just herds. People have a herd mentality. People follow the leader. People are calm and pliant. And if they weren't, we wouldn't have made it this far. So it's hard to say that they're doing the wrong thing we got this far because people are willing to fall into line and people are willing to just sit there and live their stupid boring lives and do their stupid little boring part of this stupid boring little puzzle. But sometimes somebody's got to shake shit up. <laughs> and maybe not, you know, maybe not back in the day when you were just in some kind of tribe or something. If you've got the exploder in your tribe, if you've got the person that wants to fucking shake things up and lose their temper and fuck shit up and blow up the situation, you should maybe get rid of that person. You should maybe fucking just take them out into the woods and whoops, they never came back because that's probably not safe. That's probably not going to help your, your people. That's not going to make your tribe more stable. But those days are done. We are so far beyond those days. We are in backwards land. We're in the land where the entire world is connected, so much so that we can all get the same flu. You know, we can connect to everyone. We're all one hive mind. We're all connected together. Our problem is we have too many resources. Our problem is we have too much food. Everything about our lives is backwards from how it was on the way to get here. So the old way of acting is not fucking appropriate anymore. Don't just sit there in your shit, stupid, fucking boring life. Don't do it. Don't just go to your dumb fucking job. Don't. 
<laughs> Man, I got my money's worth out of that coffee. What the fuck? Look, dude, now's the time. Now's the time to be a firebrand. Now's the time to try for the crazy thing. Now's the time to try to be, I'm gonna be a writer, I'm gonna whatever, be a YouTuber, I'm gonna make, I don't know what you wanna do. The crazy, insane, one in a million thing? You might as well. What's gonna happen? You're safe now. You're safe. We've colonated the whole earth. We're a little fucking fuzzy mold all over the peach. We're fine. Nothing bad's gonna happen. Now is the time when you can fucking explode and you're fine. Nothing bad can possibly happen. And instead, something fucking great might happen. Luckily for me, I don't need to be convinced. I don't need the pep talk. I'm a fucking exploder. <laughs> I've been exploding my whole fucking life. I've been just trying to hold in, to keep the little match head from flaring. That's what I try to do every fucking day. I got so much fucking motivation that back in the day, I wouldn't have made it. <laughs> but lucky for me, I'm in this world now. I'm not in the old world. The survivalism world is fucking done. Now I'm in the just sit around blandly doing nothing, watching TV, hanging out on YouTube, playing video games, blah, blah, blah world. So I can do whatever the fuck I want. And worst case scenario, a bit of a social pariah. It's a little embarrassing once in a while. Best case scenario, supernova. <laughs> Alright. So there's that episode. Ted Lasso, pretty good show. I'm gonna finish this with a mouthwash song. So this band Mouthwash was so cool. Basically they had this one amazing album. And then, uh, I don't know what happened to their singer. The singer left and I don't know what he did after that. And they got a different singer and you know, it just wasn't the same after that. But this one album with this guy, it's just this little like ska punk kind of album, but it's so fucking cool. I feel like I could score a whole movie just to this album. And this is a song, it's one of those cases where it's like the fourth or fifth song down the chain. So I didn't really notice it that much at the time. But I was listening to this album the other day and I was like, man, that song is great. Like it's one of those sort of songs that is just kind of hidden behind the other ones. So you don't notice it for uh, a decade. But it's called Live Like Kings by Mouthwash. I even have uh, this one story I'm writing about these punk kids who live in Tokyo. My main character is named Mouthwash and I came up with another reason that the first time he drank hard liquor, he spit it out everywhere. And somebody else is like, dude, it's not fucking mouthwash. You're supposed to swallow that shit. But the real reason why he's named mouthwash is just after this band. Whew, all right, so it's getting dark in these woods, but I gotta go, <laughs> I gotta go pick up my log and do my log squats. And I found this one fallen tree it's fucking awesome. It's this enormous fallen tree that's like so big that the roots are almost like a little, it's like a, a fucking 10 or 12 foot rock wall at a gym, except it's just roots of a tree. And I just kind of climb up it and climb back down. But there's also a part where the branch is perfectly aligned that I can leap up and grab it and do pull-ups. And I've been really carefully rehabbing my bad shoulder 
So I can do, basically I can do one pull up per day and I feel pretty safe that I'm not gonna tear my fucking shoulder muscle again. Probably hear that it's raining too, but fuck it. Go do my squats, do my pull ups, do my rock wall in the rain and the dusk and head on home. See you next time. Waha! Before we jumped into to this episode proper, I guess one thing I wanted to bring up too, uh, another potential segment is uh, is Giles' watch or just any any actor in Buffy. Like obviously now that we're watching Buffy, we're gonna start noticing these people in other things that we're watching. Like I remember that happened after Firefly got canceled because nobody in Firefly was famous; they were just whatever actors. So I kept seeing them everywhere, and it just hurt my heart because <laughs> I'm like, but. Uh, 
But yeah, you guys were mentioning that you were watching the show Ted Lasso and you were like, yeah, it's a good show. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe I should check it out. Everyone likes it. But I'm also prone to be that guy who doesn't like the show everyone else likes. Mm -hmm. And I, no one likes that I'm that guy. I don't like being that guy. <laughs> so a lot of times <laughs> I just I just I'm like, well, whatever. I'll just let this show go by. But then uh, Ryan mentioned that Giles was in it. And I'm like, well, all right, fuck. I guess I got to watch this show now. And I liked it a lot. I thought it was a really good show. Yeah, I still haven't seen the finale yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's really like positive. He's like a super positive character. But somehow I'm like, this is kind of refreshing because there's nothing else like so, you know, with such a positive outlook. Yeah, I agree. But I love too. I mean, I'll probably just cut this because it's uh, spoilery shit. But I think like my favorite moment in Ted Lasso was just... Uh, how you know they were building up and building up this idea that the only reason he got hired was to fuck with the team and you know that the boss lady was secretly doing stuff to sabotage him in the background and then when that all came out instead of being this big oh big drama he just she apologized he said like it's all right man we've all been going through stuff and that was it and i'm like that's awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, they didn't make it into this even like he gave them cookies in that scene so I was like, oh, those cookies are going to be like super salty or something just so he could like, you know, get back at them. But then it just cut and it was like, oh, he just gave them cookies. Cool. Yeah. yeah well, even that, that's such a good line where he's like, ah, I hope these cookies taste terrible today. But I, I know they won't. They're the best batch ever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was earlier, I guess, yeah, where he was mad at her about something. Uh, Mike, you like threw out the most evil of all wrongdoings. Salty cookies. <laughs> well, that's... I mean, that's the level of like of vindictiveness that I feel like Ted Lasso would. That's the like, extreme for him. Yeah. 